0: Like to welcome to Funkatopia Live the amazing gorgeous glamorous and gigantically gifted genius Macy Gray aka Macy the Great Oh my god marry me that's the best introduction ever i hope i did that better than mc light uh yeah <laughs> well it's, it's it is an honor to have you on the show. I mean, you have one of the most distinctive voices in R&B and soul. I mean, you, you sing and, and people automatically know that it's you. I mean, I I grew up in the seventies and I would have loved to have had a childhood friend like you back then. I mean, you just have this intriguing voice that's just so hypnotic and and to listen to. I mean, just even hearing you speak brings a smile to my face. So I, I have to ask, was your voice always that recognizable, even as a as a child well uh when i was a kid
1: it was a lot squeakier. it was a lot you know higher pitched like you know when you're a kid your voice is... right. so it was way way higher <laughs> before and um but yeah i've always had an I had, a, I had an unusual voice i've always had comments on my voice people have imitations of me all over the world
0: nobody can do you like you dear
1: <laughs> yes please tell them that so they can stop
0: <laughs> just got done did, doing that <laughs> yeah <laughs> did, you, did you always want to be a singer or a performer
1: no i actually uh went to school for screenwriting i thought i was gonna be like a big shot like a movie producer or something you know i thought i was gonna be like martin scorsese somebody like that really but, but i took uh, piano lessons when i was a kid when i was 7 and that was my first introduction to music and i think uh i i liked it more than i realized um and and, and i went to school and i just kind of gravitated towards musicians i was always out at clubs and uh, always hanging out in studios and stuff and so we just ended up to i mean i i just ended up sticking to what you know i i i discovered what i really loved you know
0: yeah and and how did you when did you discover that you're the singer that you were
1: not till my 20s i was a late bloomer i didn't uh really really like commit to music till i was about 23. i was just kind of dabbling in all kind of stuff you know i worked as a pa on movie sets because i was gonna really i wanted really wanted to pursue that and i was writing scripts i was a script reader i did all that kind of stuff but um but yeah i just always ended up in some studio
0: with a bunch of musicians no matter what
1: no matter how hard i
0: tried to fight it no well that's yeah that typically happens it's like you you end up merging with somebody or or watching somebody and it just kind of reveals itself to you i mean god works in mysterious ways so that's how it works yeah exactly um were there musicians or singers that you gravitated to or that were attracted to tone wise, uh, male or female? Uh,
1: yeah, I probably, um, I, I did, I started off doing jazz, jazz shows. I, I was in this jazz band that played every Sunday and, um, we only did standards. I know all the jazz standards, <laughs> but I was, I was really, uh, got into Billy really Holiday because, um, what, oh. When I first started out, I couldn't really belt, you know, like Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and that. I didn't have that kind of voice. And when I heard her, I thought, oh, my God, what a relief. Like, I can actually, maybe I can do something different, you know. Um, so she kind of taught me that that I didn't have to sound like everybody else. Um,
0: and such an iconic voice. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, as yeah. At, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: oh that's it and then and then i was a big robert plant fan i, I listen to uh led zeppelin records all the time just to hear his voice
0: yeah he's just yeah another iconic voice it's just when you hear him you immediately know who it is and you know as i mentioned i've always wanted to have you on the show uh and i'm going to talk about your your new album the reset and i also want to talk about the the tour that you have coming up and i hear that you're coming to atlanta this Friday, which, I mean, is this Friday or Saturday? I think it's this Friday, which I'm very excited about. I hope to make it there that night. But Please uh, do. Please, please. Yes. Um, but I, because I've always wanted to ask you, I, I know you've already been asked a gazillion times about I Try. So I only have one question about I Try, so I'm going to save you from that. Um, the only question I had was, is it, is it true that you didn't even like that song and that you were strong-armed into releasing it?
1: Yeah, it wasn't I didn't like it. I didn't think it was, uh, it should have been my, my big song. Like, I thought I had better songs on that album. <laughs> and I didn't want to be known for ballads. And, I, you know, I was much younger and and, and, and didn't know anything about anything. But I definitely had a, an opinion. <laughs> right. Like you do when you're in your 20s. Like, you really don't know shit, but you have all this stuff to say. So... I was like fighting with my label and, um, mind you, this is my label. This is what they do for a living. And I'm arguing with them. So, um, (laughs) but so yeah, they did it anyway. (laughs) And, uh, and, and that was that, you know?
0: Well, you're not alone. I I heard that Lenny Kravitz was very uh, similar with fly away, which is one of his biggest hits and he hated that song. He just,
1: yeah, I think I think when you're an artist, you want to present yourself and, you know, you want to be this thing. And, and then um, but I think the fans really, really determine who, who you become ultimately, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. So in 2012, you recreated Stevie Wonder's entire Talking Book album, which mm-hmm. is incredible, by the way. I mean, it's kind of like a love letter on that on the 40th anniversary of that album. Um. And what I love about the album is that instrumentally, kind of everything stays pretty true to the originals as far as the the structure of the songs, but with more raw instrumentation and, you know, your own obviously vocal tone, with the exception of Superstition, which is really slowed down and and haunting. It it just gives an entire new vibe. What was the process in in deciding to do Superstition that way?
1: Uh, There had been so many uh, covers of Superstition, you know, um, like if you go to a wedding, they play two position,
0: yeah.
1: or if you go to like a little lounge in Vegas, they play two position. At the time, I don't know so much anymore, but so we didn't want to do the regular because there was so many. It was such a, uh, it was such a wedding and karaoke song. You know, it's it's such a huge song. It, it got to that level of just everybody singing it, so. Um so we just wanted to do it different. I don't even know if what we did was was all that great. We just didn't want to do the same the same thing. I so I think, I it, think um
0: cuz it kind of kept it pushed everybody off because of the fact that you were following that recipe very very closely and yeah. then and then when you got to that point everybody's like, "All right, here's superstition." And they're like, "Oh, shit." Yeah.
1: The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just were determined not to do not to do, because it, it did when you play it as, as he played it. Um, I mean, with the same structure, it sounds like, yeah, we sounded like a wedding band or something. So we just didn't want to do that. And um, so we just went for it. You know, most of the time, uh, most musicians are undercover jazz musicians because that's how how we all learn how to play. And so if you tell a bunch of musicians, okay, do whatever you want, the first thing they're going to do is, is turning into jazz. So, uh, so that's just how it ended up. And I was like, okay, that's cool. (laughs) As as long as it didn't sound so much like the original.
0: Right. And, you know, around the same time, you also had that covered, uh, album. And I, I only have one question, quick question about that. And that is what, how did you get Idris Elba involved in doing Kobe Calais bubbly?
1: Oh, I had the biggest crush on him. It was just my excuse to just be alone with him. I <laughs> just like, I was like, called, cause I called and I didn't know what to say, you know, cause I have no game, for sure. And so I said, "Hey, so I got this idea for a record, and I know he's a big uh, music fan. He, you know, he's an artist himself, and um, he got so excited. And then I had to figure out what we were gonna do, and then um. But bubbly was one of my favorite songs. It's just such a simple, great song. And um, so I thought, oh, what? do you know that song, Bubbly? And he goes, yes, of course. And, and so, but it was all, you know, <laughs> he's just trying to, you know, get hey. a kiss, you know. But um, yes. But we had fun. I'm not going to tell you that because he's married. But but we had fun. We had a good time.
0: All right. He's he's okay. a really he's a good guy actually. A couple of Prince questions, and then we're going to talk about Reset real quick, uh, because I know our time's limited real quick. I know that you had spent a lot of time with Prince. You spent a couple hours with him, I guess, was it Chicago, I want to say? Any career-changing advice that he ever gave you? Uh,
1: Yeah, he came to a show in Toronto at this place called The Government. And, um, it, it's a, it's a music, a live music venue. And then after the show is over, it turns into this crazy rave, like oh, crazy. I've never seen anything like that. So, um, he came to my show and so the club was still open and we went to, uh, I don't know, I guess the club gave him a room cause he wanted to talk to me and we were in some weird office and, um. And the lights were out. I don't know what that was all about. But he had the lights out. And we talked for like two hours. And um, the most thing I remember is him telling me, he said, just remember, it's not about you, you know. And I was just, you on know, making a name for myself. So I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean it's not about me? <laughs> <laughs> but as I got older, I, I understood. Now now that I've been doing this a long time, I, I, I totally... Know exactly what he's talking about, and, and and it is great advice because um um because it's it's about what you do you know it's about the music that you put out and and um and I think a lot of it, you you go through a time period when you think it's about you and you can say anything you can do anything and and um and you and and and, and it can really cheat you from uh, uh from out of your work ethic because you know if you think it's about you then you really don't think you have to do anything but you know look sexy on tv but um when you know that it's about the music when you know that they're as as much as they scream they love you and they want your autograph they 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 like your music you know they like your albums they like your songs that's what they genuinely love and and mean something to them because they don't know you so So it's it sends you once once you understand that, it's it sends you on a different path, you know, and, and you 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 work harder at different things and and other things become more important. So it's really once once I absorbed what he was talking about, it was like the the best thing, one of the best things that ever happened to me.
0: <laughs> I imagine. Well, I know we're up against the time here, but I, I do want to say congratulations on this fantastic album called The Reset. I did ask some other questions about why you created a sped up version. I didn't even know that existed, uh, but because I loved the original and then I saw the sped up version and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Great, great. Oh,
1: because I listen to kids, which I also, I'm kind of, you know, I'm learning like anybody under 30, I have to really like, you know, evaluate what they say. I can't just jump into it. (laughs) (laughs) But they were like, yeah, on TikTok, everybody's speeding up their songs. So we sped it up, put
0: it out. And that's, totally, it, it's rollout really, move. Yeah, I, but it's it's kind of funny because it's just it, it puts a very very different tone on the album. I mean, there's a lot of things uh, that are going on with that. There's a few songs on there regarding the the police brutality theme, which I thought was very very interesting. Uh, and I know that's a big focus for you because I know of your work with MyGood.org. Uh, and I know we we don't have enough time to go into that, but I would. I would tell people to definitely visit mygood.org and see some of the work that you guys are doing there because it's really, really fantastically. It, it it's a cool effort for sure.
1: Well, thanks. You know, if you want to talk, want to have like an in depth thing, just set it up and and we'll do it.
0: Absolutely, I am completely down with that, and hopefully we'll be able to see you this Friday here in Atlanta at the Eastern, and you're actually going to. Uh, go internationally as well. So There's only about a half a dozen or so more shows here in the states, and then you're going to over overseas over the yeah. Pond. We
1: go, we go to Europe,
0: man. And uh, I imagine the the audience is fantastic over there because they love you over there, from what I understand.
1: Yeah, I've, everyone asks me why do I do. Uh, I have a bigger audience in 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 Europe, and I have no idea. But but yeah, we uh we're always over there. I probably go to Europe. At least every other year for touring
0: i don't blame you when you have great great audiences like that for sure yeah yeah it's cool i love you darling i love you i got so many questions i can't even get in but i love you so much dear well thank
1: uh, you for, for having
0: me ladies and gentlemen the amazing macy gray